What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps episode 225. We are booking, rocking, and rolling. We have UFC 286 Among Us. It is about to be a crazy fight day over in London. I was going to go. But unfortunately, if I were to do that and then come back and try to go to UFC San Antonio, it would just be too much travel. So I'm going to stay my ass right here in Vegas, get my work in, continue the grind. Training has been going great. I've uh, been picking up the pace. Uh, Two-a-days at this point, Monday, two-a-day, uh, Tuesday, we had a two-a-day as well. And then today, Wednesday, um, I just did one. So picking up the two days twice a week so far, and today was more focused on physical therapy, and then in the morning we had a wrestling class. So we're pushing the pace with the wrestling because, as always, that is always my bread and butter, and I got to make sure that is A1 because I'm telling you, I'm going to take down this Olympian, and I'm going to bend this gold medal and shove it right up his arse, right up the arse, you know? Um, I think he's deserved. I think he's well-deserved. I think he earned this. Um, but other than that, training's been going great. Rock and roll and getting into some good work with JP, Amir, um, Abazi. If you guys don't know who Amir is, check him out. I believe he's 3-0 or 4-0 in the UFC right now. He's got a big fight coming up June 3rd against Kai Kata France at Flyweight 125. Um, obviously, we got Marab. He's going to be part of the training camp. We got Nassim out here. He's in Vegas right now. He's a little bigger than me. Not a little. He's a lot bigger than me. He fights at 155. Um, and my weight this morning, I woke up at 158.5. So my weight's actually trajectory. It's actually trending downwards, which is perfect. Um, for me to be waking up under 160 is super ideal, especially this far out from the fight. I want to kind of get my body acclimated at competing at 155 and waking up at 155 so that when I do make the, the last bit of the weight cut, it's not too crazy of a shock, even though it is because of how much weight I'm already coming down from. Um, I typically walk around about 165 to 168. I can touch 70. That's just me being really gross and not working out at all. Um, so that's where that's all at. But I'm rocking and rolling, man. I'm super confident about this. I've been watching some tape on Henry Cejudo, and I'm going to give you guys the goods. Henry does a lot of really good things. The one thing I like about him, though, is that he he has that dog factor in him where he will bite down on his mouthpiece and he will throw caution to the wind. And it's pretty technical. It's not, like, super reckless. He is just kind of just throwing some stuff, but some stuff seems to be methodically thought out. So I give him that. Um... I feel like he does slow down a bit, which is natural. You throw with that much power, you're rusting a little bit. Um, some of the interesting fights that he had was with Mighty Mouse. Sergio Pettis was an interesting one that I got to watch over. The Wilson Hayes was interesting too, but, you know, he starched him in the second round, um, caught him with a pinpoint sharp right hand, pulled, bink, and uh, was able to sit him down. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of good things that he's doing and a lot of things that people have done to him. Um, I got to watch the TJ fight, but I know people are saying that he fought TJ and I fought the the handicapped TJ with one arm. I'm like, guys, have anyone in the UFC from Dominic Cruz to anyone that TJ has ever fought ever pushed TJ Dillashaw and have him just fall and collapse on the ground like a helpless person in an alley, you know? Um, 
No, I don't I don't think so. So I chalked that up to the weight cut down to 125, but that's neither here or there. Henry did what he was supposed to do. He dispatched of him, got him out of there, and that's respectable. So not to put not to discredit the win, but you do have to look at it and break it down and see what you can take away from that. What's real? What's something that uh, you can look at and analyze and go, huh, well, the 135-pound version, that's never happened with anybody. We've never even seen something close to that. Uh, and the durability of being punched. I mean, we've seen him get caught clean by Cody Garbrandt. He was able to survive the bell, come back and recover, and uh, put on a performance. And, yeah, I know Henry didn't let up, um, but I'm just talking about the durability. When he got hit with that right hand, he chucked him down. He threw the kick. TJ blocked it. He hit him with the right hand, like behind the ear, and he just collapsed and fell forward and went limp for a second. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to kind of digest there and unpack. But um, I think, respectfully, I don't put as much stock into that one in comparison to the other wins, you know? Um, and then now I'm up to the Mighty Mouse, not the Mighty Mouse, the Marlon Moraes fight and the Dominic Cruz fight. So I'm watching those now. Those are going to be my last two fights to dissect and break down and see if there's any more changes. And I did notice in the Demetrius fight that he did the karate style very much in the beginning. And then as the fight kind of went on and Mighty Mouse started to pick him apart with the leg kicks, he started to switch. I know he had the drop foot in the first round, like the first kick that DJ threw. Um, but just looking at how he changed his stance and then he started to get more square and started to really look for those wrestling takedowns. And even with those takedowns, Mighty Mouse did a great job of hitting the Grammys to get out of there. And Henry had no like real spatial awareness to follow and maintain control in those positions. But he did a good job of covering the hips whenever he did get on top and just staying heavy and settling and catching the head and arm and able to pin Mighty Mouse down to the to the canvas until Mighty Mouse was able to get to a hip and get to that half guard slash single leg and get back up to his feet. So very, very high level stuff. And I, I like I said, I'm seeing good things. And again, I know Henry didn't get there by accident. I didn't get here by accident. I think that is why the fans are in for a great fight. I think this is going to be a barn burner. And it's going to come down to who wants it more. I think conditioning is going to be a very big factor. We both really want it. But I think it's going to be the first guy to get tired and fatigue. Um, fatigue will make a coward out of one of us. And uh, I truly don't believe that guy is going to be me. So, um, yeah, it's going to be cool. It's going to be interesting. And uh, I, I like what I see. And I can see some things that I can do already to take advantage of Henry's uh, movement and his uh, tax that he likes to use. So, it's, guys, just make sure you tune in. This is going to be a great one. I, I give credit where credit is due. I, I, I never try to throw shade on my opponents and what they bring to the octagon because that's just silly. And that would be me overlooking them. Like I said, Henry does a lot of good things. When you watch, not the highlights, you watch the fight in its entirety, you can see the things that he does well. You can see the moments where he kind of has a little bit of bad habits. And I know for the same thing, when he's watching tape on me, he's going to see some things that look like bad habits and things that he think he may be able to capitalize on. And that's the game. Who can capitalize on the bad habits and who can capitalize and do the best work with their skill set versus the other. And I'm excited to find out who that, that person is going to be. Um, but let's get into it. We got UFC 286, UFC London, Leon Edwards, the hitman, 
taking on, I mean, obviously he's Rocky Edwards, um, but the hitman headshot dead, um, what he said about Kamaru Usman, pound for pound. Uh, I still believe Kamaru Usman is one of the greatest, if not um, tied with Edwards in that 170-pound division. Now, it's, it's interesting because if you lose to the guy that you beat and then you beat all these other guys and then you guys both get to the top, so now we're thinking, like, all right, who's really better? We're going to get to see this in a couple of days. And uh, the majority of the way people are looking at this is Usman was able to do whatever he wanted outside of that first round to Leon Edwards. That is correct. We all saw it. Leon Edwards lived it and went through those emotions of I'm really about to go home losing this belt and get shut out after having a great first round. And Usman was on his way to kind of making it look easy and as if he just had like one slip up in the first round. Okay. We can we can look at that. We can break that apart and be like, and this is why we fight. We figure it out. You got 15 to 25 minutes to figure it out. Um, in this case, 25. So now seeing that, uh, I see Islam Akachev versus Volkanovski. If Volkanovski could go out there and make those type of adjustments, I have a hard time seeing that Edwards can't make those same adjustments not being a traditional wrestler, the same way Volkanovski isn't a traditional wrestler. I know he, Volkanovski said he wrestled or something like that in Australia, but guys, he wrestled in Australia. And I'm not, hey, it's no slight to you guys over there, you Aussies. I like you guys. But I'm just saying the wrestling pedigree is not as high as it is in the States. That's just fact. Overall, pound for pound. I think we can all have a consensus agreement on that because that's what we predominantly do where I think they mostly play football and rugby or soccer, football, international football and rugby. Um, so it's a little bit different. So my point that I'm trying to make is I think Leon Edwards can't close that gap fighting the hands, working on getting up to a single leg and getting back to his feet, not getting dragged down to the canvas, maintaining the distance and picking apart um, Usman with some strikes and making him count with Usman making his attempts to get in. Usman is saying he's feeling very violent this week. I don't know what that means. Does it mean he's going to take him down and unleash some heavy ground and pound? Does that mean he's going to come to the center bite down on his mouthpiece and throw some sh some heavy bombs at Leon and maybe they stick and land? I don't know. This was a tough, like I said, we don't know the adjustment both these guys have made. Where Usman, we know is one technical thing. He Sometimes when you're fighting that southpaw, you're doing all the faking and you slip to the outside. Your head gets to the outside of your hands and you can kind of give up that read. And by the time you realize it and you get your hands there it's a little bit too late too little too late you know and i think he can clean up that tendency it's even like the the john jones versus dc john jones pointing out the tendency of dc and dc acknowledge it as far as i remember dc acknowledged it and that same tendency if i'm not mistaken was the one that john jones was able to capitalize on in their rematch, landing in the head kick, that was pretty much the beginning of the end for DC in that fight with Jones. So basically what I'm saying is, yes, Usman can acknowledge it and try to make those corrections, but can he be focused for 25 minutes to not let that tendency slip back in and get himself caught up again? 
And maybe it's not get caught up with that. Maybe Edwards fakes the head kick and goes to something else. Maybe he starts at the body and keeps chipping away. Maybe he starts with showing it and goes to the front kick. And now Edwards is biting on all these different types of attacks. And this is the difference between a Usman and a Marab. And Styles make fights. Marab, a lot of fakes, a lot of feints, um, punching while, while wrestling at the same time. And if you stop that, He'll go back and he'll do that multiple times and he's not going to slow down. I'm not saying Usman can't do that, but we don't see him with that style of fighting. Like, he'll push you against the cage, close the distance in the clinch, drive you to the cage. Okay, but there's a difference with the way one guy's attacking the legs, trying to drag you to the ground. He doesn't get it, comes up swinging, then he's throwing, and then he's going back for the legs, and he's coming up swinging, then he takes you down, he punches you a couple times, you get back to your feet, and then he does it again. Rinse and repeat. That's a different type of style, different type of pace. Now, can Usman do that? Possibly. We haven't seen him really necessarily do it like that at that high of a tempo, 49 takedown attempts. It's a lot. If you're defending 49 takedowns, that means at no point did you ever really have time to set your feet and strike against your opponent who keeps constantly shooting at your legs. So I think that's going to be the name of this game. Can Usman keep the pressure on Edwards, or is he going to play the striking game and try to see what he can do there because he is feeling violent this week. We don't know what that means. And Edwards knows if I could put you out once, I could put you out again. And I think um, when you analyze it like that, you have to wonder, did he take something from Usman? Or will Usman be like the first guy, I think, who ever came back from an immediate rematch and reclaimed their title? Immediate rematch. Um, Amanda Nunes, I think she was the first one, actually. She was the first one against um, Juliana Pena. So, yeah. Well, he'd be the second. I guess for the men's, he'd be the first. But that's kind of where everything is at. So, I, I don't know. This is a very interesting fight. It's, it's hard for me to really put a, this up. If I'm a betting man, I would go with the safer choice, which is... But then this is the, this is the hard part about the safer choice. You have to grind for 25 minutes. And hope that you are diligent enough, focused enough, making sure you are disciplined, not making your hands drop, not getting into a shootout war, and not making a mistake from a technical side and getting caught again. And that makes me want to lean on the side of Usman. But again, you have to wonder if you can break focus like that once. And he did it a couple times in the fight. It just so happens to be that one head kick, last minute of the fight, gets caught. So that's what I'm that's where you're kind of betting against. And it looked like Usman was sailing and cruising on his way to to reclaiming the belt, um, to defending his belt. And that's why this one's a really tough one for me to pick on. Um, because I'm sure Rocky's going to do all the right things to make sure that he's not gonna be put in those positions again to be constantly defending takedowns. Um, against the cage and on his butt. And that's going to be the difference. Can Rocky maintain the distance in the range and land some shots that count for something that's going to discourage his opponent from shooting and trying to get too close, man? <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't give you guys a bet or a pick on that one. I like both these guys. I think there's two badasses and uh, made the best man win. Made my best brother from another mother win. 
Next up, this one is all gas, no breaks. Justin Gaethje, the highlight, taking on Rafael Faziv, a.k.a. Hasbula. Um, I think Faziv is going to bring a real show to London against Gaethje. And I think Gaethje has shown a lot of progress when he's fighting a straight-up striker. He has a better time of pacing himself compared to before where he would kind of just go, he would just go crazy. And hopefully it's like who drops first. But now he's a little bit more, more methodical. You've seen him in the fight with Tony Ferguson. You've seen him in the fight with Michael Chandler. Even though there were some moments of being in a shootout, um, but I, I feel like he does that now more so when he feels he has you on the ropes or he feels like he has an opening. It's not just going crazy the entire time. I think there's more of a methodical approach here. Fazeev kicks a lot. Head kicks, body kicks, leg kicks, Muay Thai heavy. Justin Gaethje, a lot of calf kicks. We know that's going to be heavy in the arsenal. Um, looking to create that car crash, keeping his hands up and just crushing the legs of Fazeev with his um, calf kicks. And it's going to be a game of a game of inches because we saw Rafael Fazeev, once he sinks in those combinations, kind of like he did against Hanata Moicano, it could be a bad night for you. And he makes that connection. We both know both these guys can connect and put either one of their lights out. Um, I believe Fazeev has lost before in the UFC to Magomed um, Mustafaev, spinning back kick and then punches in the first round. So, yeah, this is a very interesting fight stylistically. Gaethje doesn't kick much, but he can wrestle. Will he use his wrestling? I'm going to say absolutely not. So let's, let's just completely X that off the chart. Gaethje ain't wrestling. If there's any moments of wrestling, it's going to be clinch work to maybe slow, slow him down while he's crashing the, 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 the lower half of Fasib's body with the leg kicks because that's what Gaethje does. All carnage, overtie, uppercuts up the middle. Um, it's going to be, I think the, the closer the fight is on the inside, the better it is for Gaethje. If it sits on the outside, I think Fasib can do better with the kickboxing, the Muay Thai. I think that's more of his game, giving him space to work with his combinations. I think if Gaethje is in his face, either too far away or all the way in, where he can get inside with those short hooks, um, right uppercuts, clinch work, make it dirty, go to the body, crash the legs, I think that's where Gaethje wants to be, and I think that's going to be the highest avenue for success for him. My personal opinion, at least. We got Gunny Nelson. He's back. When's the last time Gunny fought? Man, I was a big fan of this guy when he first came out on the scenes. He fought 2019 against Gilbert Burns. Uh, he lost that one by decision. Then he fought Takashi Soto. He won by decision in 2022 of March. So now he's making his return again in March. Um, this is a big... I think this is a good test for him because Barbarina is no nonsense. He's going to be there the whole time. And Barbarina, we know he's super durable. But th at the same time, we know the grappling of Barbarina probably isn't his strongest suit. So I think Gunner can edge him out here. If he gets the fight to the ground, which he should be able to, he's got some beautiful trips against the cage, um, some really high-level BJJ skills. you know. And I even rated him higher than Damian Maya until they fought. And Damian Maya showed me, you better respect the OG. I am the OG of jiu-jitsu, my friend. And just schooled, absolutely schooled Gunnar Nelson. 
And uh, that makes me think that their levels, obviously there's levels, but Gunn and Nelson coming back and bouncing back from that and then going on and still submitting guys and beating guys. Now here he is in another opportunity to get on a two-fight winning streak. Let me see. He lost to Damian Maia and he won against, what's this guy's name? Albert Tumanov, Rinnick, choke in the second round, guillotine choke by over Alan Joban. He lost to Ponzinibbio on the first round, came back, beat Charles, um, Alex Oliveira, lost to Leon Edwards by split decision, mounted Leon Edwards in the third round with like a whole minute left, and Leon held on for dear life. It was like, I ain't letting this man up from this position. I'm going to hold on and gas my arms out. I don't care. One minute left. I'm going home the winner. That should not have been a split decision. Leon Edwards clearly won that fight 2-1. to one. But the fact that he was stuck in that mount position had me very, very nervous. Um, but that shows how good Gunnar Nelson is when he, the fight hits the ground. So I think here is going to be a very similar thing. I think if he can get Barbarina down, he wins the fight. Barbarina, I don't know. He's going to have to create some carnage in there. And I hope he's been working on just getting back up because I think if... Yeah, man, if he takes him down, passes the half guard, gets on the back, or gets the full mount, Gunny's going to put on a lot of damage and then going to get the finishing touches. So I think it's going to be a good night for Gunnar Nelson. Casey O'Neill taking on Jennifer Maya. This is a fun fight, and I think a lot of title shot implications for Casey O'Neill should she beat the former title challenger in Jennifer Maya. Casey has beat Roxanne Modafari, split decision, Antonina Shevchenko, Laura Fritzen, Shanna Dobson, uh, and before that, she was fighting the UAE Warriors. So she is 1, 2, 3, and on the UFC. 1, 2, 3, 4, and on the UFC. 1, 2, 3, 4. I can't count. 4, and on the UFC. Jennifer Maya, she is coming off a win over Marina Morose. Before that, she lost to Manon Farrow and Caitlin Chukagan. And before that, she beat Jessica I after losing to Valentina Shevchenko. So this is going to be a good fight. I, I I think she beats her. If Casey beats Maya, then you have her and Blanchfield kind of sitting in the wings. And then you have um, Manan Farrow sitting in the wings because they're going to do an immediate rematch. I feel like they need one more person to kind of get in that mix to kind of create that four-woman four bracket. Manon Farrow... Uh, Aaron Blanchfield, Casey O'Neill, if she wins. And then you need someone else to kind of fill in that spot and then eliminate it. Because two of them, of the three, are going to fight. I think that's what the UFC is going to do. They're probably going to have to do because you can't have all three of them just waiting. And then they're going to fight for the clear-cut number one contender fight. Whoever wins the rematch between Grasso and Shevchenko gets that next shot opportunity to fight for the belt. So it's a good time for the women's Flyweight division, I think things are starting to heat up and we're starting to get some real contenders and some real life there. Um, 115 has been a little bit more on fire for me, but now we're starting to get some development with the 125. I think you're starting to see a lot more talent come into this. Uh, where's that girl, Tabitha Ricci? I thought she was pretty damn good herself, man. Uh, I don't know if any of them fought her. Hmm. Yeah, I can't find it right now, so that's going to be tough to do. But either way, I, I, I think a lot of good things to come. This next one, Marvin Vittori versus Roman Delidze. I don't know what's going to happen with this. Delidze is one of those guys who has the X factor. Like, 
He's not afraid to fight anywhere in these positions, whether the fight hits the ground, um, whether it's standing, whether it's in the clinch. He's going to be nasty the entire time. He's going to bring some real power on the feet. He's going to throw caution to the wind. He's going to force you to want to get close. Then if he creates the scramble, gets taken down, he doesn't care. He's going to be looking and being active off of his back the entire time. And that is a scary guy to fight. For me, Marvin Vittori, he needs to protect his legs at all costs. Anytime he gets into these positions where Delidze can get underneath him and elevate him, get his hips under his and elevate him, that's a problem. He needs to make sure that that does not happen. Because if it does, Delidze all day. I think Vittori is smart enough to get the coaching that he needs to work on his jiu-jitsu. Um, just even seeing him from time to time here at uh, in Vegas, working on his ground game with the coach. Like if I come up and I see that they're on the other side of the cage and then I'm going into the other side of the cage to go do my work. Like they're on the other side of the mats. It's a pretty big facility at the top. They're on the other side. You kind of come up. You always want to see who's up there because you, you don't want to be working out around people that you think – are going to be one spying on you or two um you don't know what their intentions are so i always check and i see him over there with the rust with the grappling coach and doing some wrestling and that's smart that's what he should be doing anyone who has a deficiency in some areas should be closing the gap there I'm not saying that should be your bread and butter i'm not saying hey marvin Vittori, you should go out there and your game plan of winning or not just him anybody is going to be hey let's grapple um i need to become a world-class grappler over the next couple of weeks because that's what my opponent is really good at. No, you just need to be proficient in some areas. You need to be able to keep it off long enough so that you can have success in the areas that you want the fight to be. But that's the thing. Roman is dead, dangerous on the feet. I think he's dangerous on the ground. And he can wrestle for the most part. Not like a traditional wrestling, it doesn't seem. But he's competent enough there where if he can get the fight to the ground, like I said, we, we kind of know... The writing's on the wall with that. But um, we're going to see just how much improvements, how, how much improvements Marvin Vittori has made since the fight was announced. And I think this has title shot implications mm, for both guys. Because Vittori now, if he takes out Delidze, with Israel Adesanya no longer the champ, and potentially could lose his next fight in the rematch to Pereira. That opens the door wide open again for Marvin Vittori to fight for a world title again. So, this is gonna. This one's for all the marbles, man. This one's. There's a lot riding on this fight, and it's gonna come down to who wants it more. Um, I think Vittori is very well rounded. His jiu-jitsu game isn't the strongest from what I've seen in past fights. Like, he's not really looking for guillotines. He's not looking for flying arm bars and those type of things. He's not really doing butterfly hooks and looking for sweeps. He wants to get in your face and beat you up and keep the pressure on you. Now, we know Georgian power, as we've as we seen with Marab Dvalashvili and Ilya Teporia, um, that's a real, real thing. Giga Chikadze, uh, this is going to be a tough fight. Roman Delidze is not a walk in the park. And uh, I, I do think Roman makes a few mistakes here and there in his fights. But it's not really mistakes if you're if it's part of the game plan. Where if your game plan is to cause the chaos, well, then it may look like mistakes on surface. But does that actually mean it's a mistake if you do what I want you to do? 
And I think that's going to be the game plan of the Lidze. Create the chaos. Make Marvin fight his fight. And I think that's how he gets his hand raised. For Vittori, he needs to stifle the grappling. He needs to do damage, obviously. Um, in order to do damage, you have to engage. Uh, we've seen Cyril gone versus John Jones. We knew if John Jones even wrapped around Cyril's waist or leg at all, that fight was pretty much over. Cyril played very hesitant, played back the entire time. And then the one time he took his shot, he overextended on a cross. Very elementary mistake against a grappler who's just looking to level change underneath you. You came in heavy with the biggest strike, one of the biggest strikes, and left yourself exposed and got taken down. Instead of fainting, looking for a jab, establish the range, see where your opponent's going to level change, try to get the timing and the distance, how far they can reach with their hands, see where you can pick another shot from underneath. That's the stuff you need to kind of do. Um, so... This fight, to me, is going to be about who did their homework the best. All the fights are about who did their homework the best. They really are. Um, I can't call this one. Like I think Vittori's world-class, um, top-notch. I, I, I don't think he's like a specialist in any one area, but I think he puts it together relatively well. Um, I think he's a top-five middleweight. And I think Delidze belongs in the top-five as well. And these guys are going to have to figure that shit out. May the best man win. Next up, we got Jack Shore versus Maquan Americani. I like this. Jack Shore going up to 145, letting his body fill in. He's 5'8". I feel like he's like 5'9". I don't really think he's 5'8". Um, super lean. I know he lost by triangle choke to Ricky Simone his last fight. He got cracked first before that, then got submitted on the ground. Um, Ricky was pretty much beating him to the punch every single time. I, but I like this, and I'm very interested to see how he does because it's going to give me some inspiration about going up to 145 as well. So this is a big test for not only himself, but for me, I feel like I'm watching myself in terms of myself being a grappler and seeing if he can do it, then shoot, why can't I do it, you know? I, I think this is going to be a fun fight. Two high-level grapplers. Makwani goes for it hard in the first round. Tends to gas out later rounds. But can Mr. Finland get the submission, which he normally does? He's 34 years now, 34 years old now. He's 5'10", 72-inch um, reach. Uh, he lost his last one to Jonathan Pierce. He submitted Mike Grundy with the Anaconda choke. That's like his submission of choice. He got two Anaconda chokes, three Anaconda chokes. In the UFC right now. Yeah. And he submitted Tom Dukenwa and the kind of choke round one back in cage 21. Whatever that is. Whatever promotion that is. So, fun fight, man. This UFC London, you guys are in for a treat because there's going to be a lot of good stuff. Jack Shore, he's kind of a, he's like a boxer. Nice, crisp, clean boxing. Doesn't really kick much if I remember correctly. Makwan, he kind of just goes nuts from the beginning of the bell. Once he gets... His hands on you, he tries to submit, tries to submit, tries to submit. And if he feels the submission, he's going to go for it. So Jack Shore has to make sure he is fully confident and believing in himself that he can be good at 45 and his jiu-jitsu skills are just as good as Makwan Americani. Otherwise, um, Makwan is going to probably catch him in a submission, probably get the Anaconda choke. Um, I think if Makwan wins, it's by Anaconda choke. And I think if Jack Shore wins, is by Rinnick a choke. Call it now. 
those are their two submission choices. Now, that's pretty much all we're going to do right now. But there's some other notable fights. Uh, Chris Duncan, he actually fought our guy Charlie Campbell on the contender series. Charlie was piecing him up bad. And then he came back at the very end of the round and caught Charlie coming in square. Big shot, knocked out our guy. And, yeah, that that wasn't fun to watch. That was tough to see. Um, so this is his debut. I've been waiting for this guy to have an opponent so we can watch and see how he does. I always watch the guys that beat me or beat my teammates. Mainly because I just want to see what you see what these guys are about. And uh, you just like to follow, man. It's just good to follow and see how good they really are. And to kind of give yourself a, a notion of maybe I just had an off day or maybe they are really good. This is what I need to do to get to where they are so I can be in that position. So there's a lot of that, I think, for myself. I'm pretty sure other people will do the same thing for those reasons. Then you got Muhammad Mukayev taking on Jafir Fiel. I don't know who Fiel is. Might be making his debut. Let's find out. Mukayev is the future of this division. He is making his debut from the Contender Series, so this should be a very interesting fight. Um, I think Mukayev should should steamroll, get some more hype, get a big win in London where he's now living, the Dagestani. So this is this is good, man. Good stuff. Really good stuff. Definitely think that's the fight that's you should bet on. It's almost like a, a Mayweather situation. I think he would have to completely crap the bed to not win that fight. Um, but I don't know much about Jafel either, you know, so I don't want to be disrespectful, but I just think that it's uh, going to be a tough one for him to take on a high-level grappler like Makayev. Then, of course, we got Lerone Murphy. Lerone Murphy, <laughs> please don't ever say I would ever wear horrendous shoes like that, ever. I don't care if they're Jamaican colors or not, brother. But those type of thing, them and nah, I go wear them type of thing. They come in, nah, that that thing, they're ugly, you know. They can't believe you. I, I, I gotta tell the people them say I look like something Aljamain Sterling would I wear. Like, how you mean? How you mean? So make sure you win your fight, cause a disrespectful thing you I come with, you know, blood clot. <laughs> Yo, that had me. That had me. Like, yeah, that was just comedy. I was like, I can't believe this man just said that. Can't believe this man just said that. He's fighting Gabriel Santos, who's 10-0. Looks like he's from LFA, former champion, possibly. He's got a lot of finishes. This kid looks like a berserker. Okay, that's going to be a bomb burner. Should be a good one. Um, we got our homegirl, Joanne Calderwood. Looking forward to her return. I'm hoping she can get a W. She's 37 years old. Come on, JoJo. We're pulling for you over here on this side. She's on a three-fight losing skid. Rear naked choke to Grasso. Lost Talia Santos. Rear naked choke one, round one. Um, Lauren Murphy, split decision. And before that, she beat Jessica I by unanimous decision. And then before that, she lost to Jennifer Meyer by armbar in round one. So obviously, submission games seems to be her kryptonite. Um, I don't know. I just want to see the people I know do well, and I'm hoping, and I'm pulling for her. So, JoJo, let's go. Let's get this. That's that flyweight as well. Uh, Jake Hybert, Veronica Hardy, she just got married to Dan Hardy, I guess. Um, she's back after a crazy long layoff from 2020 in March. So, three years. Wow. Wow. She's been out of the game for a minute. 
um, Juliana Miller taking on Veronica Hardy and Jake Hadley taking on Malcolm Gordon. Thank you guys for giving my Jamaican brother Malcolm another shot. Jake Hadley's a badass, though. This is a tough matchup. Uh, I just feel bad for him because it feels like Malcolm is getting all the up-and-comers who have a lot of promise, and they're kind of feeding him to those guys. But you control your destiny, my brother. A fight is a fight. Anything can happen. You did get a reversal on Mikhaev and had him in some trouble for a little bit. So it's like, why can't that happen in this one and this time seal the deal? So good luck to you, Malcolm Gordon. May the best man win. Um, Jake Hadley is a fun fighter to watch, and I think this is going to be a great fight. So that's all we got for you guys. I'm going to finish watching some tape. Uh, I got the two more fights, Marlon Marais, and then I got Dominic Cruz. I got to make sure I watch that. Guys, if you want to buy some merch and support the hats, all the lifestyle brands, go check out aljermainstone.com. Link is in the bio, or should I say the description below. Thank you guys for always tuning in. If you like my shit, subscribe to my shit, or spin it back this baby. See you guys later. Peace.